The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the second chapter. Luke writes, The child Jesus grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, they went today's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. This is the gospel of our Lord. Dear saints, there are a multitude of quotes about the student becoming the master or the teacher. Some of them are so old that it's hard to trace their exact source. And one that seems to come from an ancient Chinese text says this. When the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And when the student is truly ready, the teacher will disappear. In the gospel reading today, Jesus came to the temple as a student He sat with the teachers and he asked questions. And before the visit was over, three days later, the teachers were asking him questions. Jesus, at the young age of 12, exhibited the gift of wisdom as he discussed the scriptures with the teachers of the temple. Now, wisdom is a gift from the Spirit of God. It is not something that we learn in a classroom or technically even from the school of hard knocks. Rather, it is a quality just bestowed upon the faithful by a loving Lord who desires his people would know his will and his holy word. This topic of wisdom is a thread that runs through today's readings. The wisdom of the world Well, it's not the same as the wisdom of God. 
And the reality is that it takes knowing God's word to grasp this difference. Too often we rely on our own wisdom, which is actually foolishness. God's wisdom is a gift that is granted to us through faith and in obedience to our Lord, who is the very source of what is wise. In our Old Testament text today, the young King Solomon asked God for wisdom and understanding as he assumed the throne of his father, David. He asked for discernment between good and evil so that he might rule according to God's will. And God not only granted his request, but he also gave him what he didn't ask for, wealth and honor. Martin Luther proclaimed on this text from Kings that Solomon called folly all that which proceeded without God's word and works. A fool is one who presumptuously guides himself by his own mind and notions. In the psalm, David confessed that there's a deeper understanding and wisdom that comes from following the law of our Lord. He meditates on God's law day and night, which brings him joy and peace. There are none among his enemies who are wiser than he, for they do not know the Lord and his ways. And Paul used some descriptive words to characterize the believers of Ephesus. Chosen, beloved, holy, blameless, predestined, adopted, forgiven sons and daughters. He goes on to say that all of this work on God's part is according to his will and his desire. Paul also asserts that God has made known the mystery of his will to those he loves because it pleased God to choose believers. He gave the church all of the spiritual blessings needed for his purposes. Please note, no one person has them all individually, but collectively, we Yes, we possess all the gifts needed to do God's will. Through the wisdom and that he gifts to us, the church, to his family. Later in this letter to the Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 22, Paul speaks about wives submitting themselves to their husbands as they do to the Lord. It's the same verb in the Greek used in this story that we hear about Jesus and his submission in faith to his divine father and to his parents. Now to our gospel text, St. Luke describes how Jesus's family visited Jerusalem's temple at Passover and failed to realize that he was not with them as they made their journey back home. Three days later, perhaps foreshadowing a future time that we would wait for the return of our Lord. Three days. His parents returned for him and found him sitting at the feet of the teachers, and all were amazed by the young boy who 
already testified to his identity as the father's son. They were amazed at Jesus' wisdom and his understanding, even as his parents were shocked by his level of comfort among them. At just 12 years old, Jesus showed his wisdom and his knowledge of the scriptures and of God's ways. We often marvel at the bursts of delightful wisdom that children speak on occasion. We use the term out of the mouth of babes. And just when we think that they aren't listening, they aren't paying attention, out of their mouths comes a word or phrase or a thought that they heard from a grown-up. It's especially thrilling and exciting for us when their pronouncement is concerning something that they heard or saw here in worship or maybe the children's sermon or Sunday school or blast. As for Jesus, his wisdom was God-given because he is God. And much like we come into our own as we grow up, Jesus was coming into his own. And this was all recorded for us in St. Luke's gospel today. Still, as a preteen, Jesus was able to hang with these scholars, these rabbis and priests. And this was the time that he officially would become an adult in the Jewish eyes. That This meant that during this trek, Jesus would be required to attend classes in the temple with the teachers of the law. This was sort of a youth development program similar to our catechesis and our confirmation classes and a way for the young men to become well-versed in the Torah, in the law, and to debate and discuss its content. In the original language, it describes Jesus as being remarkably able to put all of the pieces together, to connect all of the dots of the scriptures. And so when Mary and Joseph see all of this, the original language expresses their reaction as an image of a mouth gaping open with surprise. However, this astonishment is short-lived because the blame game kicks in very quick for these young parents. Son, why have you treated us like this? They say to their son, For them, Jesus has not only caused hassle and worry, but in front of all the teachers of the law, they are likely embarrassed that Jesus has disrespected them by not telling them where he was. But then comes Jesus' reply. And this is the turning point of his life. And oddly, it's our only account of Jesus in his youth. It is the first time that Jesus speaks in Luke's gospel, and like always, he answers a question with a question. Why were you looking for me? Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? His calm response, it silences the voice of an anxious and confused parent. His reply completely perplexes them and they 
can't answer him. They can't even connect the dots together and make sense of it all. Jesus, this young adult, has arrived. Jesus, he also now reveals another key parental relationship. That is Jesus' relationship with his heavenly father, his divine father. Jesus' time in the temple marks the beginning of a new chapter of his mission and his ministry. But despite his time in Jerusalem, Jesus submits to his parents, his family, and he goes home with them. Things will never be the same again for Mary and Joseph. Luke goes on to tell us that Mary is still doing her internal processing as she stores up all of these events in her heart. And for Joseph, this is the final time that we will witness him in our scriptures. Stop and think for a moment of how hard it must be for Mary to try and make sense of who Jesus really is. How hard it must have been for them to try and let go of their son as Jesus followed his heavenly father's call, his divine call. They wanted him just to come home like he had always did. But he signals to his parents that things would become different from now on. Jesus' transition from his earthly family is something that we can identify with our own families. Many of us have transitioned from our original family into a new world with marriage. That can be difficult for parents to adjust to as well. And likewise, it can be hard for us to let our friends and family members transition into their calling with the Lord too. It is especially very hard for sons and daughters from non-Christian families who then become Christians. Parents can even become hostile and even disown their children because of this change. Christian parents aren't immune from this attachment problem either. Some struggle greatly that their dear son doesn't wish to be a doctor or a, a lawyer or a or a farmer, or a rancher, but instead wants to be a pastor or a missionary. Even though there is joy in one sense, there is also an odd sense of loss, and parental expectations are compromised. This sense of expectation being compromised is something that Mary in particular would suffer as she would eventually see her Jesus, the Messiah of the whole world, being put to death for our sins on the cross. This is a calling that no parent would ever wish for their child. But Mary had to come to terms with the fact that Jesus was God's son. And she and Joseph had the privilege of being able to care and nurture him in his early years. They were a key part in his formation, and soon they would have to let him go into his ministry. Jesus was safe and sound in God's house. And all those who are baptized are baptized into Christ, the Lord's house, 
His temple. This is not a physical building, but the spiritual house of God that we all are part of. So let us not dwell in worry and anxiety over our children and our dear friends, but commit them to the Lord's care. We pray for many of the people that we love to be able to follow God's call on their life, not always expecting that they will follow us in our own walk, but that we pray that they will dwell in Christ Jesus, the place of true care and true comfort. May all of you who are grieving over prodigal sons and daughters whom we might think are lost, keep on engaging in prayer for them so that one day they might be found safe in Christ's arms, in his wisdom. For we truly have a wonderful Savior who goes out to seek his children and bring them home. And we, like Paul's audience in Ephesus, were chosen before the foundation of the world and adopted as God's children through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. This is God's desire for us, his beloved people, that we would be adopted, anointed into his family as baptized disciples and bask in our redemption through Christ and live fully in praise of his glory. Dear saints, remain steadfast. Remain in your father's house, in his wisdom and in his faith gifted to you. He does not give to us as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. For the peace of God surpasses all understanding and will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. His wisdom is with you. Know his holy word. Know his will. Amen.